Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, that the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. You have heard that life is a journey. But where is it going? And how do we get there? Now, in today's modern or pop spirituality, you've been taught that you face an unlimited, even infinite number of options. And you need to make the right choice or catastrophe may strike. But when faced with so many choices and sometimes maybe two not-so-great options or more, you often become paralyzed for fear of choosing wrongly. And for this reason, some of the philosophers in their ivory towers have postulated that there's an infinite number of versions of you, and thus each of them makes every choice, the infinite number of choices. I don't know how that helps, but that's what they say. And then there are others who just say that no matter what choice you make, the script is already written and that choice has already been made for you. Others say that you're like a leaf on a stream being carried along by the waters and waves, and there's no point in even choosing at all, just be. But the one thing they all have in common is that there are many paths in life. You are faced daily with many options. You are free to marry or choose not to marry, or even choose who to marry. You are free to work this job or to seek another job, or, as many are doing today, just to not work at all. You're free to live in this place or to move to another place, always trying to find some greener pastures. You're free to follow after the vocation of your parents and inherit the family farm, or to strike out on your own. Sometimes, the best course when faced with all these choices is to simply stop deliberating and just do something (laughs) and see where that takes you. You might make a mistake, uh, but so what? Just course correct and try to do something different. That's practical wisdom. But it doesn't seem to help. We're still terrified of making the wrong choice. And the reason why you're so terrified of speaking, acting, or doing is that you're mortally afraid of being, again, wrong. You don't want to lose face because of your choices before family or friends. You don't want to be that guy who sticks out in the crowd. And if you are noticed, you want to be noticed for what the world considers praiseworthy. You don't want anyone to notice your missteps, your mishaps, or just your mistakes. And by doing and saying nothing, that too sometimes is wrong. What if someone notices your inactivity and reveals you as the coward that you are? Again, we're faced with so many choices in this life. And today, both Solomon and St. Paul, that's our Old Testament and epistle, describe our life, this life faced with choices, but they describe it in terms of captivity. 
You're tormented by what you want to do, even though you know it's wrong. You've fallen down more than once. And you know that one slip might happen, and then you fall into greater and worse evil. You've known seasons of bitterness and distress as you face the horror of what you said or did. And when pressed, you can't even really explain your actions. You don't even know why you made the choice that you made, how it all came to be and happened. What was it? Was it this choice or the other? Was it one bad choice or many? Were you even able to choose, or were you really just enslaved, held captive, and you really didn't have any way out? This fear of judgment, but also this kind of captivity to, we would say, wrong choices, is described in the wisdom text from Solomon as darkness. You don't even know how or why you did what you did, just that you did it. But there is another kind of fear that goes far deeper with these choices. You're most worried that you'll be found out by God. You know in your heart that God sees and knows you even as you are in darkness. You do believe that he will come to judge the living and the dead. But what you're holding on to is the idea that if you choose wrongly, God will judge you by his law, and by his law you will be accused, even condemned. Don't believe me? Well, just consider again that list of the works of the flesh that St. Paul gave. Examine your heart just for a moment according to them. Envy, jealousy, divisions, dissensions not to mention all of the uh, grosser, more obvious sins. If you examine yourself rightly by them, you'll find that there's plenty of fault. And the verdict, according to that fault, of course, is that you deserve nothing but death. It's really an unbelievable, unbelievably unbearable burden, this weight of all of the thoughts, words, and deeds that you've done. But I think you can honestly admit that you've not been able to escape it. Even as you've strived to leave the paths of the wicked, you admit that you've often fallen short of the goal, whether over the span of your life, maybe over the last few years, you've fallen short, or even yet this month, or even this morning. And that's because, according to God's own judgment, all stand accused and condemned. That's you, but also even the noblest and most virtuous person has fallen short of the glory of God. This is God, who is true and eternal wisdom, telling you what is really real. That is the verdict, but God has not abandoned you to that verdict. There is yet the means that he has provided of escape. There is absolution. There is mercy. But you don't earn it, and you don't deserve it. Instead, 
the way of God is that he takes away your guilt and shame and lays it on his scapegoat. He makes atonement by sacrificing his own Passover lamb. In the midst of this life, there is only one way that leads out of this captivity to sin and death and unto life, and that is Jesus. That's his name, Jesus. I am the way, he says, the truth, and you know the rest. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except except through him, through Jesus' shed blood. And what that means is all your striving is really vanity. There's only really one way forward today and tomorrow, and that's with Jesus. Consider again what Solomon said to his sons. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not, be, you will not stumble. And what path is this? How can this be? Because that doesn't describe our life. We constantly run up against obstacles. We stumble and fall short daily. We fall down on the job or fall off the wagon. But wisdom also tells us where, we've, where we have gone wrong. Solomon says, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Hold firm to instruction. Now, in the New Testament church, we know what he meant. The way forward is with Jesus, and to listen to Jesus, to hold firm, to hold fast, like an anchor to his ship. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear Jesus. It's because Jesus has actually already laid out clear directions, having already walked the road that was set before him. In order to live, according to Jesus, you must first die. Take up your cross and follow him. You die to your thoughts, actions, and words. They, all of these, must be drowned and buried. And they have been already with Jesus. Or do you not know that all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have already died and have been buried with him in baptism? And don't you know that if you've already died, then you are no longer a slave to that which is dead, your flesh, with its evil desires? You've been baptized into Jesus, forgiven, and thereby set free to walk with him on the path that is the path of the righteous one, Jesus. So what does it mean then to walk, to walk on the path or in the light? This walking is to be Christ's disciple. That's what it means to follow Christ, is to walk with him. You go where he goes. You listen when he speaks. And how can you know the way? Well, he tells you. He instructs you. He shows you. Remember that before he ascended into heaven, Jesus told his disciples how he makes disciples. He does it by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and 
teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus had spoken. That's the only way forward for you. So not go off on all these evil paths, the paths of the wicked, but to go with Jesus, to listen to him, to follow him, to hold fast to him, specifically as he's revealed himself to you in his instruction. That's his word. So what has Jesus said is his way? What has he told you is the way of righteousness according to his word? We've already heard of baptism, to be baptized and to daily live as a child of God. But so also to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest his word each day. To listen to preaching and teaching from the one whom he sent to you to preach and teach, deliver those gifts. To confess your sins and to receive absolution, that is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself. His way is the way of prayer, to pray without ceasing for your needs and the needs of others, to pray and praise for all that he has done for you and others, and to give thanks to God just as that one leper did for all God's blessings. And today and any time that it is desired to receive not the bread of idleness or wickedness or that cup of evil, but rather to receive the meal Jesus instituted to deliver for you his forgiveness, his life, his salvation. Because in his body and blood you receive the fruits of his cross, that forgiveness, life, and salvation he purchased and won for you. You receive in that cup every ounce of his mercy that you need for your past, for forgiveness today, and for tomorrow. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. Jesus is the way. And wisdom promises that when you walk with Jesus, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. His way is under his word, in baptism, in confession of sins, in forgiveness in his supper, all under his cross, following him. It's simple, but it's not easy. And as you walk on this narrow way, a way that he has prescribed, the way that he has given you, his spirit has actually promised to conform you to, the, to a life that it bears the image of Jesus. That is to say that his spirit will work through the word Jesus' word and his sacrament that he has instituted in all that you do. As we heard from Paul, the Spirit will bear fruits in your life, ones that you can't even really imagine, and certainly ones that you can't create by your own reason or strength. The Spirit will work in you great acts of love, moments of joy, peace between even enemies, Bearing with one another in patience, acts of kindness and goodness, being faithful to those whom you have sworn an oath, like your spouse, but also to your congregation, being gentle in your words and your deeds, and even, miracle of miracles, being able to control your own 
actions, self-control. That comes from the Spirit and not by any other means. And what does that mean for all these decisions that you need to make in life? Well, it means that whatever path is set before you that God has not prescribed in his word, well, it's one that you can live in faith in Jesus and under his forgiveness. Knowing that God has always promised to work these things out for your good, whatever choice you make, as long as it's done under his word, according to his word, for, the good, for your good and for the good of those who love Jesus. That's his promise. Let us pray. O Lord, keep your church with your perpetual mercy. And because of our frailty, we cannot but fall. Keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful. And lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.